2: Hi, everyone, I'm Katie Couric, and welcome to Next Question. These past couple of weeks, I've been working on a video series with Time Magazine that shines a light on the heroes and newsmakers of this COVID moment. And today on a special bonus episode, I'd like to share one of those conversations, an interview I had earlier this week with California Governor Gavin Newsom.
1: This is the dialectic of our time, and there's a lot of white water, a lot of friction, that's gonna happen in the next few months. It's been difficult to date, but the next few months and years are going to be challenging.
2: Governor Newsom has been praised for his proactive leadership and swift response to the coronavirus crisis. California had the first recorded death of COVID-19 weeks before any other state. Yet California has managed to avoid the catastrophic spread we've seen in other places. Governor Newsom gives us a sense of where he thinks California and all of us are headed. But first, to understand what guided his initial response, we started our conversation in the early days of the pandemic.
1: I think for us early on was as early as middle January. We started the first phone calls back and forth with the CDC and HSS uh, to begin the process of uh, making a determination whether or not we would support the repatriation flights uh, six flights from mainland China of American citizens and bring them to our Air Force bases in the state of California. It really brought to the fore what this pandemic was, what it wasn't, and really focused our attention and acuity. Uh, and then, of course, the Grand Princess Cruise Line. Uh, a few weeks later, we were faced with the decision what to do with the San Francisco-based cruise line uh, that had dozens of passengers and crew that had tested positive. Uh, and that really brought the whole issue to our shores even sooner than any other state. So there was a consciousness, a seriousness of focus, and that led to Mayor Breed and other Bay Area leaders to move forward first uh, with stay-at-home orders and allowed me the confidence to roll out statewide with their concurrence and their direction uh, the first statewide stay-at-home order.
2: You were really guided by both science and technology, weren't you?
1: Yeah, we had the benefit. I mean, look, you're you're one of the most resourced states in the world, the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, 40 million Californians strong, but also proximate to Silicon Valley and some of the greatest tools of technology and innovation in the world. We love to say about the region, the future happens there first. And so as a consequence, so many people came uh, to the fore that were already working in China that already had partnerships in China that were already attuned to the seriousness of this, that were tracking movement, tracking the disease. And we were able to procure a number of those tools of technology early on that really created transparency and a dashboard about the spread of this virus and the capacity to deliver on our promotion of a stay-at-home order and whether or not people are actually abiding by it.
2: Do you worry about privacy? Obviously, you're monitoring people's movements through technology, gaining a greater understanding of who's staying put, who isn't. Do you feel people are willing to give up their privacy in order to make sure that the the community stays healthy?
1: Yeah, we want them to make that decision. We don't make that decision for them. And and we went so far is not just to say that rhetorically, California leads the nation in terms of our efforts the focus on online privacy. We have one of the most progressive bills uh, in the United States we passed last year in terms of obligations uh, of these tech companies to make uh, information public. So we brought in uh, two Obama expats, the, the head uh, of their digital innovation and their CTO, uh, Raj Patel and, and, and brought in Todd Park To help guide our privacy efforts. They're part of our technical team and so it's a privacy first framework. So all the data we're using is either open sourced or it's public health data that has been traditionally provided in anonymized ways, uh, in aggregate ways where no privacy uh, concerns uh, or considerations are at play.
2: You've announced the stages of your reopening plan. I'm just going to synthesize them for folks. Stage one is stay at home, flatten the curve. Stage two, lifting restrictions on lower risk workplaces, such as retail manufacturing and offices where telework or working from home is impossible. Also, child care centers. Stage three, months away, you say, personal care businesses like gyms, spas, salons, sports without live audiences, in-person religious services, and other businesses where workers come in close contact with each other. And stage four would be the end of stay-at-home orders. And the highest risk parts of the economy, like concerts, sporting events with live audiences, and conventions could re-emerge. So I know you haven't put a time frame, Governor Newsom, on this reopening plans and the various stages and when they will all happen. But any idea when you might be able to actually go to stage four where things would get relatively back to normal?
1: Yeah, I mean, stage four is a therapeutic stage. Stage four is an immunity stage. Phase four is a vaccine stage. Uh, and that likely won't uh, happen anytime soon. That's why we say months, many, many months in stage I think that's realistic. Look, we don't, we don't play around with dates and deadlines for one reason. Uh, they're arbitrary. They're not based on anything except instinct. Uh, we are prone, uh, if we do that, to make decisions that aren't based on fact, on data, on real science. So when I say weeks, I, I hope it's weeks. Uh, and based upon our current trend lines, we believe it is weeks for phase one and our modifications are our stay-at-home order. We do believe it's a month or months for those subsequent phases. But that's really a determination of where the virus spread is and our capacity to deal with an increase in spreader, hospitals, and their ability to deal with surge, our ability to trace and track individuals and isolate people, not just to test them at the scale of testing that's required.
2: What are you most concerned about, Governor, as California and other states, for that matter, emerge from this?
1: I think my biggest fear is fatigue. My biggest fear is we run the 90-yard dash. My biggest fear is all the progress that's been made over the course of the last, you know, 90 days, particularly in the state of California, they really started in on this in late January, uh, can be thrown out in the matter of of weeks. Uh, My biggest fear is that we think this virus is taking weekends off so we can take uh, the weekend at the beach. My biggest fear is we think, all right, just because it's getting warm, it's gonna take the summer off and go on spring break. My biggest fear uh, is that uh, we have, People that are asymptomatic that come home to mom and dad and grandpa and people with compromised immune system only to find out that they're in the ICU uh, seven, eight days later. Uh, So I'm fearful of all of those things. That's why I'm sober about this. I want to get back to work. You know, I I started in the private sector. I created 20 plus businesses, restaurants, hotels, wineries. I deeply am connected uh, to the stress and anxiety our small business men and women have and people that desperately need to go back to work. At the same time, we got to keep people healthy. And the best way to go back to work is to tame this, to suppress the spread. Uh, And that's uh, why we are fixated on that being our indicator for decision, not arbitrary timelines.
2: Governor Newsom, L.A. has instituted some pretty strict measures, especially regarding beaches. But other counties like Orange County and Ventura County, their beaches last weekend looked like Fort Lauderdale during spring break. I know you chastise those people, but is there more that you can do to make sure that people actually pay attention and follow the guidelines?
1: In Orange County, they have the fourth highest of all 58 counties in the state, fourth highest uh, rate of hospitalizations. Uh, LA, San Diego, that have done an amazing job of managing their beaches. About 100 large beaches in California. There were five that were any problem. Overwhelming majority of jurisdictions did a magnificent job in this But what state. about the Number. ones that aren't? Yeah, the ones that, that didn't are unfortunate. And Saturday, you saw a big spike. Sunday, uh, it was mitigated a bit. And I can assure you, uh, I'm not waiting for this weekend. And we'll be making an announcement in very short order uh, about efforts to curb uh, the crowds uh, coming into this weekend and potentially even next
2: on Thursday, Governor Newsom announced that California will close state and local beaches only in Orange County. That's one of the top counties in the state for coronavirus cases and hospitalizations. He assured Californians,
1: however, that this was a temporary measure. Uh, we can reopen very, very quickly, but we gotta, we gotta make sure we can get this right. Uh, why undo all the great progress? Let's Let's move this state forward together.
2: We'll be back with more from Governor Gavin Newsom in just a moment.
0: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. Right rug flooring
2: We're back with California Governor Gavin Newsom. This has been financially devastating for everyone including your state and you have to have a balanced budget governor and something's got to give spending cuts, tax increases, the impact on schools on so many different social services so, What will California look like in 2021, given the the traumatic experience of of this pandemic?
1: This time last year, Katie, we were debating how to balance our budget with a $21.4 billion surplus. This time last year, a $21.4 billion operating surplus. I announced in January my expectation for the next fiscal year, uh, that surplus would be roughly $6 billion. That was eight or so weeks ago. We are going to be announcing on Monday tens of billions of dollars in deficit, just like that. The magnitude of this is jaw-dropping, and it's much worse than, respectfully, I think people think, because every time new numbers come out, jobless numbers, that's lagging. We have 3.7 million Californians that have filed for unemployment insurance just since March 12th, just since March 12th not January 12th, March 12th. We have to put this in perspective. And that's why I understand, boy, do I understand the economic desire to start reopening. And that's the give and take, that's the the struggle. This is the dialectic of our time. And there's a lot of white water, a lot of friction that's gonna happen in the next few months. It's been difficult to date, but the next few months and years are going to be challenging.
2: So the answer to that question, California in 2021 is not gonna be very pretty.
1: It's going to be more, challenging. Look, I, I'm, I think this state, uh, because of its size, its scope, because of the diversity of, within the economy, the fact that we were running $20 billion surplus a couple of years ago, that we have historic reserves. We had, forgive me, but we had our bond rating increased twice last year. Our borrowing capacity is better than most states. Uh, and we have remarkable Uh, leaders in this state that continue to thrive despite this pandemic, particularly in the tech community and elsewhere. We may do better than most, but the magnitude of these deficits uh, is extraordinary. And my biggest fear is this, we better learn the lesson from 2008, meaning uh, so many people haven't even recovered from the great recession, low-income workers, uh, where their wages have been flat, and they're the most vulnerable uh, in this pandemic, And so we really have to be, I think, much more aggressive in addressing economic justice and addressing the framework of social justice as our number one priority. Let us not make the mistakes we made of the bailouts the last time, not getting down to real people in diverse communities. That's our principal obligation.
2: Meanwhile, it doesn't sound as if Mitch McConnell is going to be much help. He doesn't want the federal government to help at the state or local level. And he, in fact, has said, it's the state's fault for mismanaging money. I know you've said that his, <laughs> his position is offensive, but without federal help, how are you going to manage to balance your budget? How are you going to manage to serve the people of California?
1: You can imagine, uh, since he's been Republican leader every year, the deficits have gotten bigger under his watch. How galling that comment is to a state like California, where our surpluses got bigger as his deficits got bigger in terms of mismanagement and particularly at a state that historically has been a huge donor state uh, to other red states, uh, it is galling. And and I think many governors have made that point. And so uh, we we have to balance our budgets. They don't. Uh, But we're Americans. 40 million Americans uh, live in the state of California. It's not a blue state. It's an American state. It's part of the union. 26 of our 58 counties went for Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell's party in the last election, uh, they matter too. Uh, And so I I hope they disabuse themselves of this notion uh, that we are all on our own when we're many parts, but one body, it's the United States of America. And when one part suffers, we all suffer. Uh, That's the spirit of the commonwealth. That's the spirit of our founding fathers. I think it'd be nice if Mitch McConnell and others would uh, read a little bit about our own history, the best and better angels. Uh, that define the best of the American spirit. And it's this notion uh, that we're all in this together. There's no leak on your side of our boat. We need the federal government's help and support.
2: How do you think President Trump has handled this crisis overall?
1: I'm I going to leave that to more independent minds. We're in the middle of this pandemic, and I'm trying every single day to save lives. I can only say this, and I know people... Uh, depending on their political stripes, can get offended by it. I'm well aware of it. I'm, by the way, involved in 68 lawsuits with the Trump administration. So there is, you know, we, we talk about California, the friction between the administration and the state, second to no other state. But the interactions we've had directly with the administration, because they think they go back to January, uh, the level of engagement has been relatively favorable. I can't uh, say that, it can't be said, rather, for many other states, but uh, it has been favorable for the state of California. So I can only speak from that prism, from that perspective.
2: Do you feel as if you have to mind your P's and Q's and not criticize the administration too much, Governor, lest you incur the wrath of President Trump as Governor Inslee did in Washington state?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there probably is a little of that. But you know what? You also can't make up reasons to disagree and finger point. I mean, I, I, look, my, my, my decision every day is not to wake up with my fist clenched. Uh, it's to have my hands open, my heart open to uh, opportunity and new ideas and support. And we'll take support wherever we can get it. And and I called, let me just, you know, forgive me, but give you a for instance. We've had a lot of questions in the aggregate about testing supplies. Uh, So rather than complaining about it, which I could have done, got a lot of attention, gone on all the nightly shows, um, I made a phone call. And I asked the president directly, answered the phone, here's what I need. And you know, next day, quite literally arrived. And so that's, that's the specific experience. Uh, but again, I deeply recognize that doesn't exist in other parts of the country.
2: Working together is one thing, but now he's using you in one of his campaign re-election videos. How do you feel about yeah. that?
1: I, I've, been, it's, I, I've been in this, uh, I've been in elected office for 20 plus years. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen plenty of things. Nothing surprises me. Uh, we're getting into an election season very shortly. I'm doing an event for Joe Biden. I have my candidate. Uh, Again, we're in 68 lawsuits with the administration. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, But again, one thing I'm not going to do, my mother taught me this. I I mean it. This is how I was raised. Uh, When you ask for something and someone does something for you, you express appreciation and gratitude. And if you don't, then you lose your character. You lose a little of your own veracity. Um, And I could play to that. I could play to the partisanship. But I got 40 million Californians, 40 million Americans uh, that deserve me to figure out a way to do better and do more, to get along and, and engage in the spirit of collaboration without focusing on everything just being politics.
2: Have you endorsed Joe Biden for president yet?
1: Yeah, we have a big event on, on the 8th uh, of this month, so we are very involved.
2: And how do you feel about the way... Candidate Vice President Biden has been responding to this pandemic, Governor. What is he doing well, and should he be doing anything differently? Because many people are saying they need to see Joe Biden out there more, talking about this pandemic. Do you agree?
1: Uh, I'd love to see him out there more, but the challenge is we're out there almost ubiquitously, the wall to wall, governors. Uh, it's uh, it's the nature of the moment. Uh, you would have thought governors didn't exist a year ago. Uh, it was hard to any governors to get any attention to what they were doing in their states. And the only thing we were talking about three months ago was, you know, it was Kornacki on the big screen uh, going back and forth about every census track and every district comparing elections 24-7 in the primary. It's just the nature of the ebb and flow of these things. You can't criticize or critique that coverage. It's just the nature of where we are in this pandemic. Uh, But we'll start to see some focus and you'll see a lot more attention on the vice president and that will be a healthy thing very soon.
2: Governors are in fact getting a lot of attention. You and and Andrew Cuomo, I think are, even though you've been doing this for quite a while and been in public service almost your entire adult lives, suddenly you seem to be the rising stars of the Democratic Party.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I, I, I just got here as governor a year or so ago and certainly Andrew's been around a long time and been a friend for years back from his AG days. Uh, when I just become mayor of San Francisco. So look, I I think it's wonderful to see, and it's not just some of the bigger states, uh, some of these smaller states, the collaborative spirit. I'm in a partnership with uh, governors in four other states in Colorado, Nevada, uh, Oregon, and Washington. It's the spirit of collaboration and cooperation. There's an old saw that says, if you don't like the way the world looks when you're standing up, stand on your head and go local. Some remarkable things are happening at the local level, the regional level, and at the state level. And there's a spirit of collaboration uh, that's alive and well across jurisdictions. That should give people confidence in our future—not uh, just getting through this moment, but moreover, I think we can extend that spirit into environmental stewardship, into uh, economic and social justice, uh, and to reimagining a future that's brighter. And so, I think this, in a perverse way, is really—you know. Uh, strengthen our muscles of collaboration. It's going to pay real dividends into the future.
2: I'm sure I won't be the first or last person to ask you this, but I can't help it. Governor Newsom, would you, are you thinking about running for president in 2024?
1: Uh, I mean, 100%, absolutely unequivocally, without hesitation, forgive the long-windedness, not. Uh, just I'm not. Uh, and I never not? have been, it's not? It's just never been an aspiration of mine. It's never been a focus. I This is a, this isn't a a job I always wanted Governor, This is a dream job. It's a nation state, 27% of the state foreign born, more scientists, more researchers, more engineers, more Nobel laureates, more venture capital emanating out of the state, the fifth largest economy on planet earth. What a gift, what an absolute gift. We can make California thrive, be a model for the nation. Uh, And what what an incredible opportunity. Uh, I just got here a year ago and thinking about other things, not do justice to doing my job and in the work ahead of us.
2: When we come back for Governor Newsom, the homeschooling struggle is real. How he's coping with four kids underfoot.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: Right rug flooring.
2: Now, back to the final part of my conversation with California Governor Gavin Newsom. You have four kids. How are you guys doing with stay at home? There's
1: that is what. Well. Now you have the real answer to that last question. Four kids, Katie. Four How are you handling kids? this? We need to reopen the schools immediately. Please, we're desperate right away uh, look uh, it shapes uh, it shapes everything my 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 good days and my more challenging days. it is uh, I'll tell you the one thing it does though, boy, it sharpens my appreciation for women, uh, for mothers, uh, for caregivers, uh, for the disproportionate amount of work women do in the household that is now even made more visible, and I think this mother's day better be the biggest Mother's Day in the history of mankind.
2: How old are your kids now?
1: Uh, The youngest just just turned four, uh, and it still reminds me of the twos, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, And we uh, have the oldest is just 10. And homeschooling, oh my gosh, the teachers, talk about American heroes, nurses, doctors, and the teachers, it's hard. The kids just have a remarkable inability to want to be taught by their parents, Uh, but uh, a remarkable capacity to be taught by our teachers. And so that's why I say let's safely and responsibly reopen these schools as quickly as we can.
2: And I know that's something you're thinking about, but there's a lot that will go into that. And a lot of folks are debating whether schools should open this summer because they have to make up for lost time. And that's something you're looking into as well.
1: Well, this learning loss is real. It's real every summer. You know, that summer bleed, particularly from a socioeconomic, how it disproportionately impacts uh, black and brown communities. And, and we've never addressed that in a meaningful way. And by the way, all of this has been exposed uh, with distance learning and Wi-Fi capacity, the ability for a family uh, with many kids to have more than just even one tablet or have one tablet at all, uh, uh, alone. Uh, and all of that, of course, is made more... Uh, problematic as we move through this pandemic. And so we're talking about opening potentially. I know summer school's upon us quickly, but we are considering opening up the school year a little bit earlier, late July, early August, to see if we can make up for a little. That gives us a little more time on the summer school to more safely plan physical and environmental planning, but then would provide us the opportunity to maybe make up for some of that learning loss. So we're, we're having deep conversations. That's a big scale operation, 6 million kids in California. So if we can do it, I think others can as well, but it's a, it's a big Herculean effort.
2: Governor Gavin Newsom. Governor, thanks for talking to me. Really appreciate your time.
1: No, matter, Thanks for having me.
2: That was California Governor Gavin Newsom speaking with me for the video series Time Reports with Katie Couric. You can check out those videos on time.com and I'm posting them on my social media channels. You can keep up with everything I'm doing by subscribing to my morning newsletter, Wake up Call, at katiecurrick.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, Next Question, on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen. There's new episodes every Thursday. Until next time and my next question... I'm Katie Couric. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Next Question with Katie Couric is a production of iHeartRadio and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are Katie Couric, Courtney Litz, and Tyler Klang. The supervising producer is Lauren Hansen. Our show producer is Beth Ann Macaluso. The associate producers are Emily Pinto and Derek Clements. Editing by Derek Clements, Dylan Fagan, and Lowell Berlanti. Mixing by Dylan Fagan Our researcher is Gabriel Lucer. For more information on today's episode go to katiecouric.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katiecouric For more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows From BBC
0: Radio 4
1: Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: Right rug flooring.